Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Once again, to our monthly segment with Robert Rosenthal, MD, on A Course in Miracles. And today we'll be focusing on the nature and power of true prayer and all of its ramifications. We'll be referencing section one in the supplement to A Course in Miracles, entitled The Song of Prayer, Prayer, Forgiveness, and Healing, as well as A Course in Miracles in the text, chapter nine, section two, paragraphs one through three, and paragraph six. The Song of Prayer states, quote, Everyone prays without ceasing. Ask, and you have received, for you have established what it is you want. How we pray reveals not only what we want, the things that we think will make us happy, but also what we believe we are, and therefore what God is. So then, prayer becomes the reflection of our relationship to God as we conceptualize it, and those are in Dr. Bob's words. And so, welcome back, Dr. Bob. I love the way you you wrote that. I thought that was perfect, and totally on point. How are you? Um, I'm very good. Thanks so much. How are you doing? I feel great. I yeah. feel great. Yeah. I really do. Just pre- just preparing for a segment for the show puts me in such a state of bliss. So I've just been floating and smiling all day. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you referenced the song of prayer, and in a way, this this whole segment is probably redundant because I don't know of anything that so eloquently and beautifully talks about prayer and all the different levels of prayer as as those, I don't know, you know, maybe seven, eight pages uh, in that supplement. Um, so before we even get started, highly recommended if you're a Course in Miracles student. If you're not, um, it might still be worthwhile, although a lot of the terminology does reflect the philosophy of A Course in Miracles and, and therefore may not be as easy to grasp. But um, boy, it, it is powerful. So I was reading that earlier today and just feeling like, what's there to talk about? Let's just all enter a state of collective prayer because that's really all there is. <laughs> true, true. And if, if anybody, if you still do not have a copy of A Course in Miracles, uh, the new books will contain the supplement and also the other supplement, which is psychotherapy, purpose, process, and practice. Uh, however, if you do have the earlier version of A Course in Miracles and would like the supplements, go to acim.org and uh, take a look at everything that's available. Lots of tools for you to use. But today we're going to really dig into this. It's one of my favorite topics as you know, anytime I open up the book, I'm, t- I'm reading my favorite topic, if you know what I mean. But tell us where you'd like to begin, Dr. Bob. And um, again, if anybody has any questions, feel free to call 
The number is 347-934-0751. I would like to thank everybody for the comments that have been sent uh, thus far. Beautiful words, beautiful experiences. Glad you're enjoying the show. But I also understand how shy everybody is, and that's okay. So just continue communicating in the way that you're doing. Yes. Um, and we appreciate all that, all the effort that you put to support us and these segments. So go ahead, Dr. Bob. Where would you like to launch our little prayer text? Um, yeah. Um, in terms of people calling in, also just technically, you're not interrupting us. You go into a queue, and we pick that up whenever we choose to pick it up. Uh, so. So don't worry that your your call is going to somehow interrupt the flow of the show. Uh, it, it won't. And if you have a question, uh, I have no doubt that it will be perfect uh, in all ways, even if we can't recognize it as such right away. So prayer. Um, what do you want? What does God want? Well, I think if we all knew the answer to the second half of that and could apply that um, perfectly, and consistently, we'd have no need to talk. Um, we'd probably have no need to be incarnate here. Um, we would be in a state of uh, perfect oneness, love, bliss. So before we get to the second part of the question, let's look at the first part of the question. What do you want? Because I know I, I did not grow up in a religious family. Um, we were observant of Jewish holidays, but there certainly wasn't any ongoing sense of, of God or a relationship to God, but I absolutely knew what prayer was. I, I think you can't grow up in, in, in our culture, and I suspect in almost any culture, without having some sense of, of I'm, I'm scared or I'm lacking or I want something that I don't have, and I don't know how to get there, and therefore I'm praying for it. The song of prayer in A Course in Miracles, uh, the supplement to A Course in Miracles, talks about many different levels of prayer, and that you know the quote-unquote lowest level, that is to say, the place where we all start out pretty much, is this place of experiencing ourselves as having a lack or having to deal with some situation that we feel is completely overwhelming. Uh, it just totally outguns us. Uh, our resources fail. Um, and, and we recognize that we need help in it. Now, there's good news and bad news there. And uh, being in a good news person kind of mood, let's start with the good news. The good news is that the very moment we recognize that we don't have an answer, that we don't know the answer, we've opened the door from the ego's mindset, which is almost always, I know what I want, I can plan for what I want, I can scheme for what I want, um, I will make it work one way, shape, form, or another, I will climb that mountain. Um, so when we can get to the, the quiet place of help, <laughs> I, I really have no idea how to go forward on this, we are asking from a sincere place of the created looking to the creator. That's the good news. Um, truth will have an opening there if we allow it. The bad news, on the other hand, is that even when we get there, for the vast majority of us, we actually do harbor some little inkling uh, of what we uh, really think we want. Um, you know, I had lunch with uh, uh, an old screenwriter friend uh, a week ago, and uh, he's having some financial issues. Um, and, you know, he was joking, well, you know, they'd all be cured uh, with a lottery win. The lottery wouldn't exist 
if it weren't for people believing that some vast sum of money would solve all of their problems. Um, it probably would solve some of those problems for a short time. Uh, but since the mind is the source of all problems and not our external reality, the mind tends to create um, its, its, its nightmares, its problems, its fears over and over no matter what the external context seems to be. And I have certainly known many people with vast resources who lived in all kinds of fear and terror and unhappiness. So when we tend to pray and what our culture starts out looking at as the essence of prayer is a supplication from those of us who are unworthy because we are sinners and therefore undeserving. And you don't have to think of sinner in just a strictly um, Catholic way, for example. Um, you know, I think all the religions are, are pretty good at, at painting a picture of we've fallen from the mark, which is the true meaning of sin. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're inadequate, we're not there, and therefore we reach out in hopes that someone, something, some entity bigger and more powerful than we are will hear our prayers and grant us what we think we need. Now, think about it for a moment. Where in life would we ever have experienced the situation where we were small, powerless, and needed to look to someone bigger and stronger and wiser to fulfill our needs? This is the fundamental starting point of every human being in infancy. Um, you know, the essence of human infancy is we really are pretty helpless, and we go, we go on in that state longer than just about any other animal. I think there might be some whales, some cetaceans that, uh, that mirror us that way, but uh, I'm not a biologist or a zoologist, so I don't know. But, you know, humans really are pretty helpless for years, but think about that original, you know, first, what, weeks, month of life, the disorientation, the sense of I need to be fed, I need to be um, warm, I need to be held and touched, um, I, I need to have my diaper changed, and no ability to do that for ourselves. It comes from outside. So the place where we get off on perhaps the wrong track with prayer is this, this, this kind of resonance, this derivative of our early childhood experience that says, I was helpless and my mom and dad um, or someone was able to give me what I really needed and when they gave it to me, it felt very good. Right off the bat, you can see that if you had really good parenting, you know, loving parents who were attentive to your needs, um, whose ears were attuned to your crying, um, who, who could jump in and try one thing, and if it didn't work, not get frustrated, but shift to something else. Oh, guess the baby wasn't hungry. Let me check the diaper. Mm, diaper's clean. You know, maybe the baby's tired. Let me, you know, hold him and rock him. If you had good parenting, then you'll probably enter life more from a place of, expectation that those fundamental needs will be met, and perhaps even with a picture of a God based on that, that you think will answer your prayers. But what if, like many, many people, that's not your earliest experience? Or what if the very earliest experience is fine? You have parents who can live up to um, the needs of an infant, but by the time you're two years old, boy, and you start saying no, 
or why, because that's what two-year-olds do, asserting their independence, pseudo-independence, that your parents can't deal with that. And now all of a sudden they come on you know, with anger, with punishment, with retribution. Then that's going to become, to a large extent, part of your portrait of God. So at that basic level where we approach prayer from uh, the time that we're children, we can't help, I think, we can't help but see God in the image of what we've known, our parents. Of course, we then take this out and we apply it to any authority structure that we have to deal with. The school should have known better. The government should know better. The government should help us. Or if you're on the other side of that, um, no, you know, get out of my face. I want to be, uh, be independent. Um, I want to do it myself. I've learned to rely on my own judgment. The American uh, portrait of the, uh, the, the, the independent outdoorsman who can, you know, hike the mountain, camp out, and kill the bear and survive on his or her own. Um, but either way, we're taking what our early experience is, we're projecting it out and painting a picture of the deity of God based on that and then appealing to that to help us out. So where do we, where do we go from there? Well, if you've tried prayer from that perspective, you've probably discovered that, gee, it doesn't always work, that you've prayed for things and not received them, that you've turned to um, authority figures or institutions that you think are helpful or benign only to find out that they can't help or that they'll make things worse. I had a, a long conversation with my daughter a few weeks ago. She's in her freshman year uh, in college out in uh, Southern California, and a friend of hers was really kind of going off the deep end. Um, she was having what I would consider a little bit of a manic episode. And my daughter and her friends were all, you know, the school should do something. We keep telling them they're not doing anything. And as a psychiatrist, I could say to her, yeah, you know, you want that to happen, but the, the laws actually dictate that the school can't do anything unless your friend crosses a line and is behaving so badly that she starts to, you know, break laws or prove that she's a danger to herself or others. The school's hands are tied. So my daughter got, this, got the real um, experience of, no, those mommy and daddy institutions, they're not there. Um, and in the same way, God is not always going to be able to step in and help us with the needs that we think we have. Um, a very powerful line um, from A Course in Miracles that I will expound on because it may not make sense at first is, from, God, from what you want, God does not save you. That is to say, if we've set up something that we're convinced will be our salvation, then we're locked into that, and we're going to pursue it. And God can't enter that, that illusion or that delusion, because to do so would validate it. Now, let me, let me go into this just a little bit more uh, with a tangent. I used to teach hypnosis to, um, to psych residents, and I used to practice it a fair amount. And one of the first things that you learn or teach um, in hypnosis is that to the mind, there is no negative. That is to say, if I ask all of you listening, you know, whatever you do, I don't want you to think of a giraffe. Then in order to process that statement, you pretty much have to think of a giraffe and then push it out of your mind or draw an X through it or blanket. 
the mind only functions in terms of what's there. So we can't not think of a giraffe. Uh, the moment giraffe comes into the picture, the image is there um, with all of its associations. In that sense, there is no negative in the world of God. So um, if we have an illusion that we are pursuing, and if God were to enter to either grant that or to deny it, in that sense, God is saying, oh, yeah, I see your delusion. I see your, your desire for salvation. I'm approving of it, of it. But in that very moment, God has entered the world of illusion, and God can't do that. God is everything. Illusion is nothing. How can everything enter the space of nothing? Simple answer. It cannot. For some people, this is a very difficult reach because if you, if you believe that that everything here is the direct creation of God and that God is sitting up there pulling the puppet strings and making every single thing in your life and everybody else's life happen uh, or not happen, I would argue you're back to that more parentalized um, projection onto uh, God. But fr from that perspective, you, 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 you believe that um, you have to start believing that 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 God's love is conditional. And if you do it one way, then, gee, God reaffirms that. And if you do it another way, then God doesn't like that. Um, no, God is love, absolute, infinite, ever-expanding, unending. Um, very few of us have had that experience. But, but that's, that's in there if you read the mystics from any tradition, Christian, Jewish, Islamic, Buddhist, Hindu, that's the description when you get right down to it. So how does absolute love enter a world that by definition is designed to block out and keep absolute love from making itself known? It, it won't happen. It can't happen. So God can't save us from idols. If we choose to worship an idol, if we choose to set up some element of our world that we value more than we would value reality, truth, God, love, then then we're just going to have to play that game out till it ends. This is why at the um, lowest rung of what uh, the Song of Prayer calls the ladder of prayer, at the lowest rung, we generally are praying for things. We're praying for what we think we want. We're praying for experiences we haven't had. We're praying for relationships and people. Um, we're praying for health. Uh, we can pray for health in others or in ourselves. But still, underlying that, is, is, is fear, um, is a belief in scarcity, and that's not God. So skipping to the second half of the question that, that was the, the, the um, subheading for the, today's talk, what does God want? God can only want one thing. God wants you to wake up. God wants you to burst out of the illusion, remember that you are the son of God, the child of God, really the extension of God. I don't think the term son or daughter really captures it. Um, it's you know, using the words of physical reality to help us understand a relationship that's completely non-physical. But that's what God wants. God wants us to remember. In that sense, if we are praying in alignment with God, um, we want that same thing. And therefore, of course, in Miracle says, really, the only thing that you can pray for that has reality is to pray for forgiveness. Now, this is forgiveness in the terminology of A Course in Miracles. In, 
You know, this doesn't mean I'm a miserable sinner, God, please forgive me. What this means is I'm deep in illusion, um, and I would like to find the path that helps me release the illusions that are rooted in my own past experience and that make me think I know what I want going forward into an unknown future. You know, forgiveness recognizes what you thought your brother did has not occurred. Um, so the, the, the only way to reach God through prayer at God's level and in terms of what God wants is to practice forgiveness, to practice the undoing of the illusion. What does that mean? Well, for those of us who are um, long-term course students, it means recognizing every single place in, in the world of illusion where we set up an idol, where our self-concept gets bolstered and stands in the way of our relationship with God, um, where we're in fear. And if you're really being diligent to that, uh, you know, you discover that it's, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, all thoughts about money, all thoughts about specialness and relationship, all thoughts about, you know, body gratifications, body fears, aches and pains. Um, I have a mild toothache at the moment. I took some Advil before the show. Fear-based, pain-based, body-based, magic. I think the pill's going to make me feel better. Um, all of that is what we ultimately need to forgive and undo. So true prayer moves us in that direction of, I don't know what I want, or rather, I do know at that highest level of abstraction, but at a lower level of abstraction, I believe that I am a body. Um, I believe that I'm susceptible to all kinds of hurts, injuries, lacks, insults, and ultimately death, and I have no idea what to do about that. Um, or I think I do know what to do about it, and, uh, and please answer me back to the lowest rung of prayer. So when we pray, if we're praying for specific things, then we have to understand that uh, we may get those things, or we may not, but either way, we are, um, we're trapped in a little bubble of illusion. So we all know people, I mean, okay, let me, let me pause for a second. There are a lot of popular books out there um, that are derivative of the book, the famous book and video called The Secret, that essentially let you know you can have what you want. You can be happy. You're standing in the way of your own happiness. Um, the Abraham Hicks channel uh, takes this, I think, um, even further and deeper, uh, you know, that you're always putting out what you want, sparks of desire as they call it, um, which are being answered by the universe, by what they call the law of attraction, and bringing you exactly what you want. You just have to, you know, learn to let it in. A Course in Miracles actually says the same thing. It says, you know, uh, as per the, the quote in, in the uh, description for this segment, you know, prayer is unceasing. We are always praying. That is, we are always wanting something. Um, but we don't always know what it is we're wanting, and the prayer of the heart can be very different from the prayer of the head. In, uh, in my book, From Plagues to Miracles, I gave an example. I believe it was in the chapter on miracles. Um, but the fact that I don't remember is a little scary and striking. Um, but I gave an example of someone who wants a new car and distilling it down, well, why do you want the new car? You know, is it for prestige? Is it because your car broke down and you're afraid that it will break down again somewhere? 
i.e., you want a new car for security, um, and that if we distill these down to our real desire, we get to the prayer of the heart. I want peace. I want love. I want to know that I'm valued. I want to know that I have meaning in the world. Um, so we, we are all praying all the time. I would posit, though, and, and this is not necessarily Course in Miracles, but on your spiritual path, at different points on that path, the prayer of the heart will change. And sometimes when the prayer of the heart is answered, it does come in the form of things. Um, you know, that new car might indeed be exactly what you need to get to a stage on your spiritual journey that says, ah, my needs are answered. I don't have to be in fear. But if, I don't know, 10 years later and recognizing that the only reality in your world is love, you still find yourself asking for a new car, then the prayer of your heart is no longer, I need that car to get me by. The prayer of the heart is actually just the opposite. Don't give me that new car. That's going to stand in the way. That's going to take me backwards and turn that new car into an idol that I want more than I want God. So at a later point in your spiritual journey, and I have certainly found this, um, it's often the case that we're praying for something or event or something to take place that were it to happen that way would actually get in the way of our journey and our learning. And therefore, Holy Spirit or law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, does not bring that to us. And you know, we stand there and go, oh, what happened? You know, worked 10 years ago. It's not working now. I must be doing something wrong. You know, maybe I need to sing a different chant. Maybe I need to find a different guru. Um, maybe Course in Miracles isn't the right path for me. No, it's just you've graduated. Um, and those props and events that helped you understand that you were, in fact, more than your physical body, that you were a mind, and a mind in resonance with other minds, and in fact, one with other minds, that the experiences that take you that first step or second step are not necessarily um, what will be helpful going, going further along. In the Exodus story, um, which I talk about at length in From Plagues to Miracles, I think this is just beautifully exemplified in the, the metaphor of, of mana, um, mana from heaven. You know, the Hebrew people, they have escaped from bondage. Um, they've been led across the Red Sea. That is to say they've had many miracles, but they're still terrified. They're in the wilderness. And if you've ever seen pictures of of that area in uh, western Saudi Arabia. I mean, there is nothing there. It's craggy, huge rocks that you can't climb. I mean, wasteland, wilderness, uh, it's as bad as it gets. So they're terrified. They don't know how to live. Um, and they look backwards to the past and wish that they had the meat and uh, the bread that they, and, and the lentils and the pomegranates and all the great stuff that they had as slaves in Egypt. This is important because it says that when we get to a certain point on our spiritual journey and the fear gets too much, we look to the past where we thought everything was just, you know, Jim Dandy. Um, no, what Mana says is that we will get what we need for the journey, for our day, on a daily basis. Um, if you know your Bible, Mana appears in the morning, go out and gather it. Metaphorically, you get what you need each day, uh, and you don't even need to think 
beyond the space of that day. Tough for anyone in our world to do. I mean, my agenda book has entries going you know, way out all the way into the fall at this point. Um, and Holy Spirit knows that. It's not bad to do that. That's the world we live in. But rather than holding out idols, you know, I'm not sure if he loves me, but I think when we take that vacation in August, we're going to have a great time, and I know it's going to turn around. Uh, I can't wait for that, um, and I'm praying for that. Um, I know that that gold mining stock is, is going to go up, and, uh, and I'm praying for that. That will be my salvation. Um, I, you know, I know that the new job, if I can only get it, will, will deliver me. Uh, no. These, these, are, these are idols. These are false gods. These are golden calves that we set up that keep us from recognizing that, that Spirit is bringing us what we want. So in a sense, to use Old Testament speak, if we pray for mana, can we just get our daily bread, i.e., give us this day our daily bread, with all that that symbolizes, then in a sense, whatever comes to us is exactly right. We've let go of our egos telling us that it knows what we need best and accepted back to um, that place of infancy that we really don't know what we need and that there is a force that will bring to us what is best for us at this point in our journey, provided we don't try to um, you know, give it a little nudge and say, come on, God, you know, wouldn't the lottery make a difference? Think of all the good things I could do in your name with that money. No, that's not necessarily what would be helpful. And um, maybe for someone else, the lottery would be exactly what they need. Uh, as I say in that mana chapter, we each get what we need for the space of the day. And if we start comparing to other people and thinking that what they have is something that we want, or comparing and saying that, oh, you know, my misery is nothing compared to that person's misery, uh, you know, sort of looking at who's the biggest uh, sinner or who's sacrificing the most. Um, either way, we've lost sight of our own journey. It's, it's about our relationship with Holy Spirit, our relationship with God, our relationship with, in the Hebrew, Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit. Um, or, as Course in Miracles says, the only function of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. That is it. Everything else is, is just secondary, irrelevant, derivative, um, what we have to, in a sense, wade through while we're trying to learn our lessons. So the true prayer, the prayer of the heart, um, we want to align it as much as possible with forgiveness, with the undoing of illusion, with allowing the recognition of Holy Spirit into our lives, with bringing forward the vision of, of Christ, as Course in Miracles would put it, that is to say, the vision that allows us to look at all other people, those we know, those we don't know, and see in them the same thing as us. Love your neighbor as yourself very simply means your neighbor is yourself. If you're loving your neighbor, you're loving yourself. If you're giving your neighbor anything other than love, guess what? You're not loving him or her, and therefore you're not loving yourself. Um, there's a lovely little section in the Song of Prayer on, quote, praying for one's enemies that makes the point, one, if you have enemies, you really need to pray because that enemy is a projection of your own stuff out in the world. 
uh, and B, in praying for your enemies, you really are praying for yourself. What you're praying for is to remove the projected guilt that you have and that you're seeing in all these other people so that you can instead see in them God, the Christ, uh, the, one, the one mind, um, love. So I would say that is true prayer. And on that note, um, looks like uh, I, I probably took up more time than I should have, uh, but I'd like to pause and Shar, um, please weigh in uh, any thoughts, anything from you know the course. I am going to listen intently. Okay, <laughs> that was no, don't don't worry about the time you took up. That was fantastic, and. You know, as I as I listen to you, it, it pulls in. You pull in so much from different sources, and gives you, it gives it me and everyone else so much to think about. And of course, I want to zero in on the audience and echo what their thoughts might be. So I kind of put a small list together that I'd like to touch on lightly, and then we can go into some deeper concepts of the prayer. I'm pretty sure everybody at this point understands the definition of illusion and idol and you, you talking about um, mana and, the, and exodus, that certainly brought us back to that clear perception of what it is to um, worship an idol and the things that we pray for. So I'd like to start with, yes, with just a couple statements from the Course. In Chapter 9, Section 2, The Answer to Prayer, I'd like to read this because I kind of want to pull everybody back together in a centered way, so I'll I'll do it in this manner. Uh, Paragraph 1 states, Everyone who ever tried to use prayer to ask for something has experienced what appears to be failure. This is not only true in connection with specific things that might be harmful, but also in connection with requests that are strictly in line with this course. The latter in particular might be incorrectly interpreted as, quote, proof that the course does not mean what it says. You must remember, however, Course states, and repeatedly, that its purpose is the escape from fear. So let's start with the purpose, and then we'll move to methods and forms. So the purpose, then, is to escape from fear. How do we escape from fear? Like you said, in several different ways in your discourse, we do that by rising above the illusions and withdrawing our investment into the things that we want or things that we crave because of our sense of survival or comfort or status. And those things, like you said, um, just think of nouns, people, places, things, but also experiences, outcomes, and in many cases, the avoidance of the inevitable, which is closely in line with outcomes, but I'm differentiating that in such a way that outcome meaning getting what you want and avoidance of the inevitable, such as you have a terminally ill family member. Should you sit and pray for 10 more years with, the, with your loved one? Or should you pray for peace and understanding and for you to rise above whatever you're experiencing so that in turn, so can that loved one, which is, it touches lightly on what you were saying. And mm-hmm. then I'd like to go, am, am I making sense so far? Absolutely. Okay, so then I'd like to move on to, still in chapter 9, section 2, paragraph 3. The Bible emphasizes that all prayer is answered, and this is indeed true. The very fact that the Holy Spirit has been asked for anything will ensure a response. 
yet it is equally certain that no response given by him will ever be one that would increase fear. So, for those of us who think that our prayers are not being answered or we're not receiving communication, um, that could be a clue. Because unless you can sit in meditation to hear the real answer, all you'll hear is either silence, static, or the ego trying to jump in, twist that message around, and make you more fearful. That is your clue that you're not in the right space to hear the answer. It continues on to say, it is possible that his answer will not be heard. It is impossible, however, that it will be lost. There are many answers you have already received but have not yet heard. I assure you that they are waiting for you. So that is, for me, very comforting in that since we pray ceaselessly throughout our lives, I'm 46 years old, so suffice it to say, and I can attest to this, I've been praying pretty much for the entire 46 years to survive or get away or, or, you know, heal or stop crying, whatever. And sometimes we're not at a level where we're prepared to hear the answer because the ego will block it like a shield and basically say, no, you don't have to forgive anything. You're right. They're wrong. You're the victim. They're the perpetrator. So that's, I wanted to touch on that, that all prayer is answered. However, you have to have a very open mind and a very open heart and a lot of faith and trust to really hear the answer so that your spiritual vision can be refocused so that you can see things as they are, not as the illusion dictates based on your perception. So what you believe is what you perceive. We're going back there. And, of course, we all remember that you can have vision or you can have judgment, but you can't have both. You You cannot have both of those things. And desire always precedes judgment, you know, always secondary to desire. So what we need to do is focus in on desire. So I'd like to go here. Over in Psalms of Prayer. Go ahead. Can, can I just, uh, you sure. made some really good points um, in terms of all prayer is answered. For, for any of our listeners who are or have been students of that Abraham Hicks teaching, this is what the Abraham channel would call vibrational escrow, um, that your prayer has been answered, but you aren't letting it in because you aren't ready for it yet. Now, People tend to think of that in terms of, you know, my dream house is just waiting for me if only I can, you know, get clear and accept it. But really more accurate, it's your happiness is waiting for you once you can let go of whatever form it is. And, and I think that apropos of what you were saying, Char, about, you know, sometimes you, you can't hear the Holy Spirit's answer, um, I, I think or my own experience has been that this is one of the benefits of having lived 46 years or in my case, 58 years and knowing, looking back and seeing places in your life where boy, you thought you wanted something or someone more than anything and either you didn't get it and lo and behold, your life went on and and at some point down the line, you look back and go, yeah, I'm really glad I didn't get that because I never would have gotten where I was or you did get it and discovered it wasn't what you thought it was going to be in the first place and uh, allowed you to move on. And, and I think 
this is one of the reasons why so many students of A Course in Miracles do tend to be uh, in their more senior years. I'm one of the, the rare ones. I started working with the course at age 20, and I remember distinctly reading the sections on special relationships and going, well, that's all well and good, but darn it all, I want a special relationship. I want someone who I'm going to love and who's going to love me. And that, you know, So sometimes um, we have to just go through worshiping the idol. We have to either you know, get what we need or, or not get what we need. I have uh, a little saying that I'm very fond of that says, God, uh, God teaches us you know, uh, in two ways, by giving us what we think we need so that we can see that it really wasn't, um, wasn't, didn't, didn't get us where we thought, or by depriving us of what we thought we needed so that we discover that we get to what we want anyway by a different path. But I, I, I'm so glad that you, you read that section of Chapter 9, piece about fear is key. We all have fear. For many people, winning that lottery might sound great, but it would knock their socks off, blow their minds, and they, you know, they wouldn't, it would be a greater threat to their sense of self um, than not winning the lottery. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's a great compliment to what I said. And in terms of you know, the fear and winning the lottery. Praying for solutions in the form of band-aids and salves, that's the lottery. Yeah. Pray for what is the fear that's blocking me from recognizing what is really yes. the block to the, to the lack of, my lack of sight of the presence that is around me. Because connecting to that is getting into alignment, connects your desires with what will make you happy, meaning what will bring you peace because for all of us no matter what specific thing you pray for deep down collectively each one of us all we really want is peace we just apply labels so in applying those labels we give it form and of course there is the law of cause and effect i'm not going to go into that but i do want to go into but that form. is important cuz cuz if you don't treat the if you don't address it at the cause and just address the effect then you're not going to really be alleviating the problem. So, you know, I agree, let's not go into that in depth, but again, you brought up a really good point there. <laughs> right. But that takes us to, so I just want to breeze over that small bridge of cause and effect. Like you said, that's an in-depth thing. But, like, we want to treat the cause, not the effect, and the effect is the wish for the outside things that will give us inner peace. It can't happen. So I want to move on to page five in Songs of Prayer, a song of prayer, and it simply states, the learning, the learning goal must be to recognize that prayer will bring an answer only in the form in which the prayer was made. So, if you are asking for something, you are praying in form, because we're in this world of form, and you're asking for a solution in the world of form, all of which is illusions. So I hope you can kind of see that string of pearls where you're linking one illusion to the other through the medium of what should be formless, but you're using forms to apply those band-aids to the areas of your life which you feel need fixing rather than understanding. And then on page 7, it states, from this cause can the answer come in which, all specific, in which are all specifics satisfied, all separate wishes unified in one. Prayer for specifics always asks to have the past repeated in some way. And I think that's crucial to the understanding of the, the different 
the difference between form and formless because in illusion, this is all the past, it's all projection, perception. So to pray for something, to fix that, is to invite more of that in. But if we move above that and really look at what the aim of prayer is, it says the aim of prayer is to release the present from its chains of past illusions, to let it be a freely chosen remedy from every choice that stood for a mistake. And that's a huge statement for every choice that stood for a mistake. As the Course says, there really are no mistakes, but we can miscreate, and we miscreate based on the conclusions we draw based on our hopes, expectations, attachments, and fears. So when praying, what we want to do is then realize really what we're asking for. On page 6 it says, it is not easy to realize that prayers for things, for status, for human love, for external gifts of any kind are always made to set up jailers to hide from guilt. The desire for them is the prayer. So we can then whittle down when we pray, when we commune with God, and I'll get into that in a second, but to focus on the desire, the cause, not the effect or the outcome. So you just want to feel the desire for peace in whatever form that takes to grant that to you in your life experience. But not ask for specifics and set yourself up for limitation. This is why a lot of prayers probably aren't answered because we're limiting what we're capable of receiving, but we're blocking anything higher. We could ask to win the lottery and say $1,000 will do, but what if it's meant to be that you're supposed to win 50 That type of thing. Mm-hmm. And we've touched on that before. But the aim of prayer is to release us from fear, and desire is the prayer. So how do we tell the difference and determine what level of prayer we're actually operating on when we do go to pray. Anything you want to jump in with, Bob? Um, I, I, I wanted to, um, yeah, one, one place. Um, in terms of that idea that, you know, when we pray for specifics, if we're praying for something in the world of illusion, essentially we're praying for nothing, and God isn't, God is not nothing, God is everything, and that everything can never come into the space of nothing. But there's a a very sort of subtle kind of distinction here that I think it's important to make. Um, If if you're praying for specific things, you are setting up an idol, um, and you may get something within the world of illusion that reinforces illusion, but it's, it's, it's not going to... Uh, really plug you into your your true sense of self. On the other hand, <clears throat> when you pray only you know for God, um, if if you're praying for forgiveness, forgiveness offers everything you want. Um, you know, so if you're praying for that, then what can enter your life? is specific forms. I'm praying for forgiveness. Okay, you know, someone shows up who helps me to do something that allows me to forgive and, 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 and maybe helps another thousand people do that. Um, that we live in a world of form. Therefore, all of this will manifest through form. If we ask for form, we're asking for nothing and something, everything God can't, can't enter and give us something when we're asking for nothing. But on the other hand, if, it is confusing. But if we ask for everything in the form of nothing, 
That is to say, I don't want any part of form. You know, nothing here is going to satisfy me. I want the peace of God. I want the love of God. Then the forms that will show up in our lives are exactly what we want that will bring us to that um, and real happiness. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, because it is confusing. I mean, that, that to me is what mana is. And when we understand mana, we discover that it's actually the milk and honey of the promised land. I don't ask for anything here because I know that, that the physical reality is an illusion. Um, instead, I, I ask for God and only God. And when I do that, everything I need comes to me. Mm. And to touch on that just a little bit, it will come to you in ways that you cannot possibly fathom. It does not arrive in your mailbox. It's just, you know, <laughs> it is these it's little, right? those, those, th- this is what's real, you know. It's meeting a stranger and having them say exactly what you needed to hear. It's having that experience that you're trying to avoid show up right in your face and happen again with different role players and gives you one more opportunity to say, I can see this differently and I choose to forgive it right here, right now, done. And then you really see the miracle of it. So when we pray for, please stop this pattern, and the pattern keeps happening, you're skipping a step. You're forgetting to forgive it. Um, And since we're talking about reform, talking about form and formlessness and the song of prayer talks about the forms as higher forms and lower forms i want to get the higher forms out of the way because it is easier to understand in a higher form of prayer such as prayer itself meditation um engaging in music art communing with nature and so on all of these as it states in song of prayer all involve true feelings of total engagement immersion in the movement which is truly oneness. So real prayer and the real power of prayer is that sense of oneness, which reflects back to you, as we've read in the beginning, it's a reflection. It reveals not only what we want, what will make us happy, but also what we believe we are. So in that moment, there is our reflection that we are truly God's child, and we experience that oneness. And that is the true meaning and the true power of prayer. However, because we're in the world of form, we're going to make it a little more complicated than it needs to be. And so what the ego does for us is establishes mm-hmm. levels. And in the Song of Prayer, Jesus uses it as the um, description of a ladder. You have the lower rung and you have the upper rungs. And we don't have a whole lot of time. So just to say that in the lower forms of prayer, they generally have these components. These components. Asking out of need. Pleading, entreating, begging, bargaining or negotiating, demanding, requesting forms, like we said, and fulfillment of a fantasy. These all involve our feelings of weakness and inadequacy, which are of the ego, not of God, and are always filled with uncertainty as to its identity. So therefore, there are calls for vengeance against misperceptions of lack scarcity and victimhood so in this sense we're asking for god to answer our prayer so we can take revenge on a situation we're not comfortable with or we wish we could rewrite the ending to and i'll throw it to you bob i know you want to jump in there no i was just going to say and god can't do that you know so therefore that prayer is is truly um, a prayer for nothing 
It is a prayer for nothing, and God hears it as like the teacher from Charlie Brown. It sounds like a bunch of static because there's so much fear infused in every request. Or if you give me this, I'll, we can't bargain. All he right. wants is for you to know that he's there and that we've never left his arms. That's all he wants. Right. And, and that it is possible to achieve this higher form, but we have to prepare for it. So if you have the song of prayer, read this. Read the supplement. It's a very easy read, but you might want to spend some time really allowing it to sink in because, you know, formlessness really is simply to be with God in remembrance of your true identity. When it comes to money, we all need it. We all desire it. There's all things we want and we need. But we cannot pray for money itself because that is form and that is outcome. So like we said before, like Dr. Bob said, you're asking for nothing with nothing and, you you know, you want more nothing. But what we can pray for is that we achieve a balanced, harmonious relationship with money and that, that, Pray for clarity and the recognition of the block that impedes your ability to receive it. That's the real problem. Money's never the problem. It's the blocks that prevent it from arriving, which is always going to be fear. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, you know, money is just one subset of mana. Um, But I I was going to just, you know, probably the the grand sum up uh, for prayer is – if you pray for something specific, you get nothing. Either it doesn't happen because it isn't the prayer of your heart, or you get it, but it's still illusion and you're still in the world of illusion. If you pray for something, you get nothing. On the other hand, if you pray for nothing, all you want is, is – is, when you want God, it's not a prayer. It's, I mean, the, the, the course – you know, they, they, the, the, this pamphlet is called The Song of Prayer – it's the song of perfect communication and communion between created and creator. Um, you know, when you ask nothing because you recognize you need nothing, um, that, that, that interplay, that communication, the, the expansion of love satisfies in all ways, then you get everything. So ask for something, you get nothing in one form or another, uh, literally. Uh, mm-hmm. Ask for nothing, you get everything because you already had everything, and by recognizing that you need nothing else, you open the door to it. Um, very paradoxical, but that, you know, that, that's, that's the essence of it in the proverbial nutshell. It is. It is. This, is. this is so interesting. I had an experience this morning that I'd like to share with you, Dr. Bob. Oh, good, yeah. It was around 8.30 this morning, so I sat down with, you know, Course in Miracles and Song of Prayer to immerse myself and and have my bliss and as I'm reading of course I'm getting revelations and ideas for essays and all of that but something came to me so I wrote it down and here's what I wrote time is like a magnifying glass that makes immediate specific needs seem more crucial to our survival than they really are rise above the perception of them in prayer and experience the answer which is peace and the song of love that carries it to you. Beautiful. I put a period at the end of that sentence, and that's when this beautiful dove appeared just a couple feet away from me. And I don't normally hear them make sounds, but this one was singing. Oh, my. Thank you. And I looked, and I, I said, oh. You know, the beauty of it is I don't sit down and expect those things. The beauty is when they happen, and I'm constantly reminded that we are all connected, and... So that's what happened. Just you know, that, 
that's why I've had such a smile on my face all day. It's, it was such a beautiful, and there was only one, and we're talking about oneness. If it was a different message, there would have been three of them or two, but it was perfect. <laughs> it arrived, and, it, and it, it arrived on my right, which I perceive as the future, and fluttered to my left, which is the past, and it's about forgiveness. And I said, isn't that perfect to start out my day? That, so that is, that is just great. And, you know, you weren't there going, boy, give me a sign, God. You know, I need something to let me know this is true, or I want something to impress my listeners. No, it sounds like you were in that, that mind space, that love space, that sense of, yeah, you know, we're experiencing the world of form in this very intense, up-close, magnified way, but that's not it. You know, you went from, uh, as the section in the text would describe it, from being in the battleground to above the battleground. And from above the battleground, you know, it, it's the clash and clamor starts to look very, very tiny. And lo and behold, you know, here's this, this, this lovely experience, um, you know, that, that comes to you. I mean, that's, that's just great. That's, that, you heard the song of uh, prayer with, with that dove. I really did, and, and that's what's real to me. And, you know, I know a lot of people are confused by, you know, what can exist and what is unreal. And I understand how confusing that statement can be, but when you have an experience like this, and don't just pray for it, look for it, because they're always there. And have an experience like that, and that will help you understand. That's what's real, that moment, not when I got that new tire for my car and felt a sense of safety and didn't have to worry about the rain. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just an annoyance to me, pulls me out of my bubble. You know, okay, let me fix the illusion so I can get back to peace. So that's about it. But I would like to ask well, you just – what's that? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask you, there is a very important point that we have not covered uh, to the depth that I think we can touch on to get people, give people something to think about, and that is praying for others. And I'm specifically um, talking about the section where um, praying for our enemies, forgiveness of the self, forgiveness to destroy, forgiveness for salvation. There's a little bit we could say, so, and it will kind of reiterate and reinforce something we said a little earlier. Um, what would you like to say on that topic so far as praying for others and trying well, to again, save them from you know, what they're going through, I think is what I'm getting at. Are, you know, are you seeing the others as somehow distinct and different from you? Are you, um, you know, afraid of the others? Are you feeling like your life salvation depends on something happening for that other? Um, or are you recognizing that they're just another reflection of the oneself fragmented into billions and perhaps billions upon billions and and therefore we are at that highest level above the battleground all looking for the same release um you know again again your story with the dove you know that's a miracle mm -hmm. um and back to the miracles principles miracles are natural when they do not occur something has gone wrong it's a profound statement of just how upside down and topsy-turvy the world we live in is that miracles are something special and rare, and, you know, if you've experienced even two of them, you can be a saint, 
as opposed to what the Course is saying is, no, dudes, um, that's how it should be all the time. And when it is that way all the time, you're not even noticing them. Again, you weren't looking for a miracle. Nobody came to you and said, heal my leprosy, Char. Uh, you know, you just got to that place and the dove appeared and it's the day of our show so you get to share it and now forever after whoever's listening to us gets to share in that experience with you Um, Mm. and it did remind me uh, I'm not on the topic of praying for others but the prayer does show up in the initial principles of miracles in principle 11 where it just says prayer is the medium of miracles it is a means of communication of the created with the creator Through prayer, love is received, and through miracles, love is expressed. So back to your experience, what you did in reading the song of prayer and getting there is you received love. Um, Mm. In the miracle that came to you in a form that was very much for you, but also in a sense all of that, you expressed the love, and now we all get to receive it in the same way, even though... In the world of form, we weren't there with you when you were um, reading the Song of Prayer and getting to that mind state that could you know, basically incubate that miracle. So we're praying all the time, but boy, we aren't generating a whole lot of miracles, so we're all pretty blocked. You know, this is the, uh, the constipation of uh, miracles here. Oh, my goodness. And yet, you know, pardon the, uh, the, the analogy, uh, <laughs> and yet when we do get to that place of release of I know what I want. Uh, and everyone, you know, the, the, the people we see outside of us praying for others, we're just praying for ourselves in, in a different form. We're realizing that, you know, we need to forgive our own illusions, our own projections onto all of our brothers, uh, and, and that when we're praying for them, we're really just praying for ourselves. And yet, ultimately, we're praying for ourselves, capital S, which is all of us. We all mm. go together, you know. The Bodhisattva vow in Buddhism, you know, I will forego enlightenment until everyone's enlightened. Well, you know what? It's really not such an amazing thing, that Bodhisattva vow. It's just reality. You know, the Son of God doesn't wake up until the Son of God wakes up, and that's all of us. So, you know, that's how I would understand praying for others. Sometimes, yeah, you're you're recognizing something in someone else in a clear form and in a way that you can come to terms with it better than you might in yourself. You know, um, I remember in college having compassion for a friend in his, you know, deep pain about a relationship that I probably couldn't have gotten to for myself. And yet in, in being able to hope for his release from that, I also recognized that same need and, uh, and, and hope in myself. Mm. Um, but, but I love, you know, I just thank you for sharing your story from this morning because I think it's just such a lovely demonstration of how prayer is answered and the answer is a miracle in that sense and the miracle isn't just for you or me, it's for all of us. Exactly, yes. And I love what you said that now everybody else gets to share and it it kind of made me perk up like, oh, I guess so because yeah, just in imagining yeah. it as I sat in, in my... Um, cute little chair with my little table and my book on my lap, you know, and it was just beautiful. So, well, I, I think that nails it, yeah. I think. Um, that brings us to a completion point. Um, but so everyone, you're praying all the time. Let's just, you know, take a moment now, take a moment when you have that moment, but open the door 
you know that God is God is waiting, God is ever present, love is waiting, love is ever present, peace is waiting, peace is ever present. As uh, the Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh says in the title of one of his books, peace is every moment, peace is every step. Um, you know, it's there. You just need to unblock that the obstacles that are getting in the way of it, uh, which you did so beautifully this morning, Shar. Thank you. Uh, but thank you. And thank everyone listening. Uh, yes. This is great. I, so, I've um, been pretty immersed in this whole day. I just feel so great. Ah, and I can feel that too. Uh, mm. It's been a it's been a good day. We got we mm. got what we needed. <laughs> we sure did. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, the second Thursday of June uh, we'll be here again. Um, I may not be able to do the July segment because of uh, vacation conflicts, but okay. June is definitely on. And uh, you know, here we are, ego mind projecting into the future again, but. You know, it's not bad as long as you're not making it something that gets in the way of, of, of peace and uh, salvation. Absolutely. Actually, I just saw, I just noticed in one of my pages, I did write a little prayer, if I may end with that. Please, yes, let's do that. As I tried to encapsulate it, and if everybody would like to close their eyes, meet with God in solace and love, not to implore nor protest, the illusions of the world, but to regain your true sense of identity and strengthen your spiritual vision in order to recognize illusions for what they really are. Let his love be a soothing lullaby, not one that eases you into sleep, but into deep and everlasting awareness. Amen. Amen. Allow prayer to awaken us, not to put us to sleep. Amen. Well, thank you for everything. You pull so many beautiful things together from all these different religions, and I so admire that. It really is very thought-provoking. Thank you. You're and welcome. thanks for um, creating this space for us. Uh, this is blessed. Yes, all right. Truly is. All right, Dr. Bob. I, until next month. <laughs> until next month, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, God bless and be at peace.